Hey, good evening, everybody. It's your host, Felipe Melicio. You're listening to a Total Basis Podcast. It's a bittersweet one for me. This is uh, my last episode with you guys before uh, Sean takes over for me. And speaking of Sean, let's go ahead and uh, introduce him. Sean, how you doing? I'm good, Felipe. And we're going to make sure we, we send you off with a nice swan song. Uh, going on paternity leave, going to be going to be a daddy. But uh, hopefully uh, come summer, we can get you on as a guest in yeah. july something maybe we can get a guest episode or just a guest appearance yeah in between feedings and like the baby <laughs> sleeping I think. and actually getting a nap in or <laughs> yeah, that, that would be very uh very useful naps and rest and just quiet from what i hear people have been warning me about it and uh i don't think uh I, i'm ever gonna be ready enough but uh, i'll i'll put it this way i am ready as i'm ever gonna be pretty much yeah for point, sure so. But uh, thanks for the warning and thanks for the, for the open invitation to my own podcast. I really appreciate it. <laughs> we'll keep the seat warm for you. Oh, good, good, good. Well, hope everybody's having a good evening tonight. Uh, we, uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, this is going to be a Sean special as he is driving this bitch. But before I start, before we get the show started, I, I just got to get something on my chest uh, regarding the, uh, the big major post I put up for the bloggers and the Facebook admins. Facebook, uh, baseball, sports, admins, whatever. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar as to what happened this past weekend, but we had we had a couple of issues with a couple of guys, and we I finally said enough's enough. Um, if you're gonna use our group, our baseball life group, to share your work, then yeah, we're gonna need you to really participate more and be a part of our community as. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, and besides Gabe, the guy who told us that we're a bunch of losers, um, <laughs> learn how to spell jackass. But aside from that, Sean, as you or may not know, um, I started this whole podcast thing because I was a writer by nature. I started out as a sports writer. Uh, Accentsports.com gave me a chance to do that full-time way back in 2013. So I always have a soft spot for those guys who are trying to break into the business and, and share their, their thoughts and their work in the written form. Um, but it's getting to a point where we're growing at such a rapid pace and the people who are trying to utilize our group to, um, you know, promote their stuff, I feel like they're taking advantage of the situation. And uh, th this weekend was the last straw for me as I couldn't, I could no longer justify people just dumping their stuff on our website, uh, on, our, on our Facebook group anymore. So there's new rules, make sure you read them. But basically, if you're not participating with us 100% of the time or close to 100% of the time. Uh, don't be surprised if your shit gets deleted. Yeah, and, and that's my thing is I love reading everyone's content, whether it's good, bad, terrible. As long as they stick around and interact with you, uh, take the constructive criticism or positive praise, whatever it may be. Um, I, I would definitely like to, you know, start that. And I might have to hook you up for some pointers. But, um, yeah, I, I've never liked dumping when it comes to, to posts like that. I understand you're trying to get uh, exposure. But um, interact with us. We Like you said in your post, uh, this is more than just a Facebook group about baseball. It, it's a community. Um, I'm glad to call you my friend, not just a, a podcast co-host. Likewise. Co Likewise. Um, and that's really the most important thing here is, is the community that we are trying to build. And speaking of friends, they're all here. Brad's here. I, I see Matt Bushnell is watching. Uh, James, James. James and, yep. And, and Fahmi is also here. <laughs> Fahmi Nasser from Springfield, Illinois. 
Um, so yeah, man, that, that's all I just wanted to put it out there. It's not, we're not against it. We just, it's at a point where people have been taking advantage and, and doing all sorts of silly things. So enough's enough. Uh, either you're a part of this community or you're just dumping. And listen, I can relate like to promote this podcast and, and many podcasts beforehand and my articles, I used to dump on other Facebook groups. Yeah. Um, I, I'm guilty of that as well. But if you, if you talk to me and, and, and you critique my work, we're going to have a conversation about it. I'm not going to get sensitive on you. Like some of these people have been doing lately, just getting, you know, name calling us and calling us all sorts of things. And that's not what we're about. Like either you can handle the criticism or get the hell out of here. You don't belong here. And uh, I've already had to ban two different entities this weekend. And I don't want, I don't want to keep doing that. So, yeah. you know, know your, know your audience, know who you're, who you're dealing with uh, as you uh, put yourself out there in public when you promote your stuff like this. So, so just be ready and uh, roll with the punches, man. Cause listen, if you can't take it now, imagine as you grow or you know, if you're yeah. lucky enough, the, the, get, the bigger the audience you're going to get, the more criticism and praise you're going to get. Like the, I mean, they're both coming with it. I mean, look at the, look at the guys at the, at the very top, the Skip Baylesses and the Stephen A. Smiths. You think it's all roses for those guys? No, they get bombarded <laughs> every day. And I, and some of these hacks that, that are sharing their stuff, they're nowhere near as good as those guys. As much as I hate those guys, they're nowhere near that capacity. So, yeah, you're going to get bombarded with criticism. But, hey, listen, you get what you give, right? So, yeah, you know, participate, talk to us. Uh, Sean already is uh, more than happy to <laughs> offer his area of expertise and all this. I know I'm, I used to be a writer full-time. I, I, I could give out some pointers if, if uh, you really are genuinely looking for it. So, so yeah anyway that's out of the out of the i'm done I, I'm <laughs> but yeah just wanted to get that out of the way because it's uh, recent and uh, i want to make myself clear we're not banning anybody unless you deserve it so don't <laughs> give us a reason to do it thank you all right sean enough of that nonsense uh, what are we having a docket today it is your show i'm just on it we have uh another potential realignment you know we've had the we've seen the texas plan and the florida plan in uh, the most recent one to come to light, uh, and it seems the most believable, it allows the teams to play in their own home ballparks, is the uh, three division, 10 teams in each. Uh, the travel would be a little tough in the West. They'd actually have to cross over time zones. But I think in, in retrospect, it's probably the best plan that we've seen leaked or proposed so far. Um, but when it comes to fantasy, how, how will it impact fantasy? Of course, there will be some rule changes with this. Uh, we have, yeah, there we go. Felipe's posting it up for us now. But these are what actually, the, yeah, these are what the divisions would look like. Yeah. So you have AL teams and NL teams mushing together, but you also have a universal DH. You have increased roster sizes, which means you know some of these borderline bubble prospects that might end up making it, and you know they could be the next Tommy Edmond and help you win your league. I mean, because Tommy Edmond was one of those bubble players, came up halfway through the year and really carried some fantasy teams. But uh, in regards to just – there's a lot of different ways that this could impact fantasy baseball season in 2020. Uh, just, to, well, I to, just to point out, I would have preferred the Atlanta Braves staying in the East hub, I guess. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking that it should be switched Atlanta and Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh's I, all the way on the western side of Pennsylvania, but yeah. uh, I'm not really sure what the the logic is behind that one. I don't get aside it Aside from maybe making it a little bit easier for them. I, I don't know. Plus, uh, Atlanta's on the uh, – I think they're eastern time zone, and they also have, like, what, two Florida teams and, uh, I mean, the Nationals, I guess. Yeah. 
and the Orioles are not too far from Atlanta compared to and and I, I had seen I'd seen another one where the West would be eight teams, the Central would be twelve, and the East would be ten, and they'd be divided up into North and South divisions. Um, I had that was just from a a writer that there's no you know report or anything substantiating that, but it was just his take on it, and it had Atlanta in the East as a part of their Southern division with the Florida teams and I believe. Um, Washington and Baltimore. They, and they, that was fan. kind of where they split it. Was at the the tri-state area. I, I was gonna. I was just gonna uh, add to that that I am a fan of the fact that the Phillies and Pirates are in the same division again. So I mean that makes sense from a in-state rivalries perspective. But uh, as a geography person, I, I can't stand the fact that the Braves are in the South and there's no other team near them. Like uh, I guess the closest team would be the Reds. That's yeah, so, yeah, it's not really close. Uh, James is asking how would playoffs work. Uh, from what I've seen, they haven't really said specifics, but it would increase the number of playoffs under this format, uh, in number of teams in the playoffs. So I'm not sure how many that actually increases to, but that has been the the mum going around. So James is bragging about his uh, top 300 position players coming next week. So that's always uh, interesting when he posts that up in the in the group here. So I just oh yeah, it's to- always fun to look at. So I guess we were due for an update. So anyway, uh, you want to start on the West and then move your way to the East? Is that how you want no, to do this? We can do East to West or West to East. Up to you. I want to do West to East, follow that jet okay. stream. And uh, I guess, uh, <laughs> are, we, are we doing that, the, the winners and losers of this yes. proposed alignment? Yes. All right. I got, so we're gonna, let's just do one of each. I want to make sure that we actually touch all the, all the hubs and then we'll do lightning round um, for all the ones that we missed out on. Uh, but the first one I want to point out is the Oakland Athletics hitters getting to play in Colorado. As, uh, yes. They would uh, at least get a break from that cavernous dump that they call the uh, Oakland Coliseum and just have fun. I mean, can you imagine Matt Chapman and Matt Olson? Basically, anybody by the name of Matt, Matt Bushnell, Matt Whelan, <laughs> all going to Colorado and just uh, launching uh, – the, the launch pad that they get to play in, uh, at least for those uh, road games, that, that that should be interesting. Yeah, my my uh, my winners here were we already have some of the best hitters in baseball in the National League West. You know, Nolan Arenado, who plays in Colorado half the time, Cody Bellinger, uh, Mookie Betts is going to be in there now. But I also went and looked at players who have played in. Um, they're in the American League, but they're small appearances so far in Colorado. And several of the Astros players have really just – they've made Coors Field their home. George Springer, Yuli Gurriel has three home runs out of five hits. And you're just adding even more lethal offense. Like you got, you mentioned the guys in uh, Oakland. Matt Olson, I think, could probably set a major league home run distance record if he played in Colorado – uh, the, the raw power he has. Uh, if Nomar Mazzara can hit a ball 505 feet, I think Olsen could hit one 600 feet. But I think you're adding even more offense into a ballpark and division that really is a, a cradle for offense, aside from San Francisco. <laughs> this guy right here? Uh, yeah, Nomar Mazzara. There you go. We got a bobblehead. <laughs> Hold on. I got to stop sharing. I mean, what's the point of having bobbleheads if you can't have them on your show? Yeah, it's little Norman Mazzara, still with the Texas Rangers. Hey, guys. Now he's in Colorado. (laughs) My name's Norman Mazzara, and I can't hit uh, for consistent power all the time. I have a 
I, I hit ground balls. I hit lots of ground balls. I hit lots of ground balls, even though I'm 6'4", 240 pounds and shit. I, 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 <laughs> everything goes down to the dirt. If a, it, listen, if, the, if, if a baseball that he hits was, were an animal, it'd probably be like a rabbit who just burrows <laughs> underneath the dirt. Bushnell saying he has a 700 footer in him. <laughs> Where, uh, below ground or something? Where? Yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, Matt Chapman actually has 13 plate appearances in uh, Colorado, yeah. uh, just for a little heads up. 455 average, 538 on base, 909 slugging. Uh, that's that's brutal. That's that that's uh, really good. And like a lot of the guys for Texas too. I'm looking at Elvis Andrews, guys that have only played three to five games in over the last four or five years because of the interleague and how they work the schedules. But all of these guys that when they do come to Colorado, it's like they get excited. And now you're going to play 10, 12, 15 games against them. Like that that's really nice to have. Uh, do we go to the losers now, or do yes? You wanna... Okay, yeah. my first. Well, the only losers I have listed here. Uh, as much as the the A's should have an advantage going to Colorado, the Rangers pitchers, especially the starters, are going to be miserable going to Colorado. As uh, as I pointed out before you get going, as I pointed out earlier this uh, off season, I kind of like the Rangers rotation, but if they're going to go to Colorado, I'm sorry, they're they're in for a world of hurt. Uh, pitching in, in that uh, at course field. What do you think? Yeah, I have – you mentioned a couple of the Rangers pitchers right there. Um, I think more of this Western division, a lot of the elite pitching, aside from the A's, is on the veteran aging side, including guys in Texas like Lance Lynn, Corey Kluber, and Mike Miner. But I'm also interested to see – how the Justin Verlanders do going into Colorado. Zach Grinke having, you know, been in Arizona the last few years, uh, he has the most innings pitched out of all of the guys I kind of grouped together there. Aside from Kershaw, Kershaw would be in there. But, of course, he's been in the West his entire career. He's used to Colorado. But, uh, shockingly, Lance Lynn has thrown 25 innings at Coors Field and has a ERA under three. And Justin Verlander has 15 innings, an ERA under two. But you look at guys like Grinky, and they have the four ERA, which is good for Coors Field. But it's obviously you don't want too many games there. And then Mike Miner has just been – I think he's going to have PTSD or nightmares going back into Colorado. He has 15 innings pitched in an ERA over 11. And batters are batting over 390 against him in Colorado. So – there are a couple of guys that are going to have to adjust, and sometimes it's easier for the veteran players to adjust, and sometimes it's harder. Now, can this guy really hit 700 feet for home runs in uh, Colorado, Nomar Mazzara? Uh, he hit one. Uh, the 505 one was in Texas, I believe. I don't even think that was in Colorado. But he did hit a far one in Colorado one year. I can't remember exactly where, when, but it was really far. I still believe in you, the guy, but uh, I, what's his uh, – I forgot the stats already. The uh, the WRC plus, is it like 95 or something for him? Yeah, he, he's still like right below league average. Come on, dude. Be better. All right, let's go to uh, – well, first of all, let me share my screen again. Sorry about that, folks. I was having too much fun with uh, little Norman Zara. All right, uh, let's go to the Midwest, the central part of the country. So you can see the Cubs, the White Sox are on the same team, which uh, creates a dilemma for me, Sean. As uh, I've always said that if if they ever decide to put those two teams together in the same division, that I might have a I might be forced to pick a team. But 
But I always thought that that would never, ever, 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 ever happen because baseball is so antiquated and so slow to move along with the times. And now they're proposing this. So I'm actually not a fan of this proposal. But we're not there. <laughs> but moving on, uh, my winner are the Atlanta Braves having to face the AL Central pitchers, uh, especially the starting pitchers like the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Cubs, uh, the Reds. Um, hmm, this made more sense when I – I'm sorry. I, I, did I, I meant, yeah, I did say American League Central. It's my last show, guys. My mind's all sparked. <laughs> so uh, the Royals. I mean, they should be the Braves should be able to feast on the Royals. Uh, you know, the Tigers. The Tigers are crap. Uh, the Twins. We've all talked about how suspect the Twins' starting rotation might be. It might be just good enough to get them by. But I mean, the Brewers have no starting rotation. So I think the Braves against the starting pitching, uh, having to move to this AL Central, uh, having those AL Central teams move with the, with the Atlanta Braves in that same division should uh, vote well for uh, guys like Ronald Acuna and uh, maybe even Ozzy Albies, who uh, people are, have polarizing uh, thoughts on. What do you think? Yeah, when I was typing up my notes right before the show, I forgot that the Braves were going to be in the Central, so I kind of I've rushed to add them in. <laughs> but the NL Central hitters, like you mentioned, the Tigers and Royals, both had ERAs over five last year. And the White Sox were almost at five. They're at 4.9. And, you know, they're, they're probably the best pitching team in that division aside from Cleveland, who should still be strong no matter what. They, they always have good pitching. I'm not really worried about them. But uh, the NL Central hitters, which I think is already one of the stronger offensive – if we were in a regular season with the regular divisions, uh, I don't think many people would argue that the NL Central is one of the stronger offensive divisions – in baseball, you know, Mike Moustakas, Joey Votto with the Reds, they, they brought in even more firepower with Akiyama. Uh, and then you have Christian Yelich. It, it's just a lot of good hitters all throughout the division with the, the Cardinals as well. Um, now they get to go and face the, the Royals starting five, which do they even have a starting five? No. Or is it just like a, a rotating band of misfits? Uh, they have to go. They go and face the Tigers. Granted, the Tigers have some interesting arms. Um, Matthew Boyd was the big breakout last year, but then I started realizing that Matthew Boyd's going to be pitching to these National League Central hitters. And as Boyd is a lefty, I just started thinking about how many lefty killers are actually in the National League Central. You have Nick Castellanos, who had the higher highest OPS amongst lefties out of anyone in the National League. Goes over eleven hundred. Uh, actually, over 1,300. Sorry, I had it minimized on my screen. Um, Chris Bryant is in there. He has an OPS well over 1,000. Euenio Suarez, Javier Baez, Paul Goldschmidt, all of these guys that Matthew Boyd has never had to face, he's going to have to face. And he already had a bit of a home run problem, and these guys just absolutely crush lefties. And it'll be a interesting test for Matthew Boyd. Um, maybe Detroit's probably thinking they should have moved him over the summer before he loses any value because the American League Central, these pitchers are going to be tested with all of these great hitters coming over from the National League, which is kind of interesting because we always think it's the opposite way around. But in this new Central division, I think it's going to be the opposite. Uh, Starting rotation for the Tigers as of, uh, according to my Excel sheet, which is uh, probably last updated way back in March. But – this is uh, yeah. I say Boyd and <laughs> I don't know. That's embarrassing. I really should know it better than that. Yeah. Well, like I said, this is not updated. I I'm not gonna bother checking with roster resource because I'm afraid my computer will go in the fritz if I do. But <laughs> according to my spreadsheet here, 
Matthew Boyd is your default ace. Followed I have it pulled up, so I'll, I'll confirm. Matthew Boyd. Spencer Turnbull. He's their number five, according to roster resource, but I oh. do like him. He has a lot of upside. Yeah. yeah, we talked about him. Ivan Nova is listed here. Yep, number three starter. Just signed uh, over from Chicago. Daniel Norris. Daniel Norris, number four. And Jordan Zimmerman. Jordan Zimmerman's locked in as their number two. I thought he would have been a free agent already, but I think this is his last year uh-huh. of that big mega contract that Detroit is just kicking itself over. But um, they also have a lot of young uh, prospect arms. I was about to get to that right now. I have three yeah. uh, on my spreadsheet here. I got Tariq Skubal. Yeah, he, he really broke out in a big way last year. Uh, lefty really spins the ball well. Uh, control might be a little bit of an iffy subject with him, but he was probably one of the biggest pitching prospect breakouts of uh, the 2019 season. Matt Manning, who is not just their one of their best prospects, but also like a top five, top ten overall prospect in all of baseball. Along, yeah. Uh, along with, I might as well mention his teammate Casey Mize as well, who – um, that's the one thing that they have to look forward to that the Tigers do is the fact that they got those two guys on the team and just ready to uh, get called up and hopefully they fix all the woes in Detroit. What Do you do you see it that way as well? I, I really do. I think they've set themselves up um, looking past the 2020 and the, the crazy environment we're going to have to be in this year. I, I really do think they've set themselves up for success. Uh, one guy that you didn't mention – he was their first-round pick in 17, Alex Fado. I, I hope I'm not butchering it. But their first-round picks in three straight years, 16, 17, 18, are all, have all advanced. They should all be in AAA this year, and that's Matt Manning, Casey Mize, and Alex Fado. And then Scooball was the ninth round in 18. So all of these guys, they really hit on these pitchers. And I really do think it's better and easier to draft pitching in – not easier, but it's well worth it to draft it, develop it, and then oh, and then pick the offense as you can. Um, their offense is really going to be the big question mark. Uh, all of their kind of prospects, Heimer, Condelario, Kristen Stewart, guys that were had some serious helium uh, when they came up have really kind of fallen flat. But they're still a few years away. But those arms uh, might not make too much of an impact in 2020, but 2021 and beyond, definitely guys to look forward to. Really quick, I just want to read some of the comments before we forget uh, our people here. Um, what were we? I, there was something. Oh, well, you already answered James's question, so I'll move on. Uh, Leon uh, says it's the first time, long time. Will lack of crowd affect? Will the lack of crowd affect aerodynamics? Um, I do not believe it will. <laughs> do we have any engineers out there? Any scientists? Some environmental physicists or something. <laughs> yes. Uh, Rangers' big issues, according to James Edwin Scott, uh, is uh, going to be how many lefties they have in the lineup and their bullpen. See, I, I'm not the only one. You, there is such a, a thing as having too many left-handed uh, anything, right? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, lefties are more hot and co- more hot and cold than ever due to the shift, according to James. Shift takes their singles, so if they aren't hot enough to hit it through the shift, then they get cold as. We saw a less extreme version of this in Los Angeles, but Rangers are really in trouble with that because they strike out so much. Um, I, I need to double-check that Rangers lineup uh, before we move on, so give me a second here. Yeah, Joey Gallo, Danny Santana, uh, Rugden Odor, all guys that were probably their three best hitters last year and all struck out well over 25%, I believe. 
Um, and I, I did kind of pick on Matthew Boyd. I, di- I didn't mean to uh, because there are some other pitchers in the American League Central that are going, going to have to adjust. And I'm, they were breakouts just like Boyd was. Shane Bieber, who I do really like him, and Lucas Giolito had the fourth and fifth highest year or lowest ERAs in the American League last year. I think they're really going to be tested by this new alignment. Um, Jose Barrios will be tested. Like all of these young, talented pitchers, it, it's going to be a test for them. Yeah, Dan, oh, Danny Santana, switch hitter. Shin Suchu. He's Willie, never been a big strikeout guy, but yeah. lots of walks. Willie Calhoun is in there. Ronald I, I like Calhoun. Ronald Guzman. Do you like Ronald Guzman? Uh, he's got like the perfect – like if you were a, a traditional scout, you'd look at him and be like, oh, he's a all-star first baseman in the making, and he's got like the body and the size for it. And he just really – he seems like a Nomar Mazzari. He, he kind of hits too many round balls, can't, doesn't utilize his strength and power. You mean this no guy right makes the appearance again. You mean this guy? You know, when you started talking about, oh, that's the body that Scott's look for. You know who else has a body that Scott's no look for? No more Mazzara. This guy right here. Look at him. I got two of these suckers. <laughs> you know, my wife was uh, was giving me a hard time when I went down to Texas, and they were giving away these bobbleheads. I tell you what, there was, like, nobody there, you know, because it was raining. So there was plenty of bobbleheads left. Like, And, you know, my wife and I, that makes two ticket holders, so we get two bobbleheads, right? Yeah, she had the audacity to tell me, "No, we only need one." Like, no, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> give me two. <laughs> give me d- duplicate amounts of Momra Mazzara. This is gonna be worthless one day, but it's one. Of, it's gonna be mine. And that's all I care Brian about. Horsewood wants to let us know that he is not an engineer, but he did say to Holiday Inn Express last night. I find that great timing. Kudos that's, to you, Brian Horsewood. That's half the battle right there. <laughs> all right, uh, where were we? What were we talking about? Oh, the losers. Did we talk about the losers yet? Yeah, the, the losers were kind of the, the guys I mentioned, but the and then the, the winners were the really good hitters in the central. Um, any other guys? In I, got, I, got one, I got one. I got one. Okay. I, I got the twins starting rotation, which I alluded to earlier in, uh, in this segment, versus the National League Central. Um, they, these pitchers are going to get exposed, I believe, because they're not just going to be playing uh, their weak-ass division. They're actually now going to have to play um, – a better lineups, you know, with the Reds. You just you mentioned the Reds. The Cubs are still kind of formidable. Uh, the Cardinals, you know, I like the Cardinals and, the, and Christian Yellows with the Brewers. I can only imagine what he's going to do with a flat Michael Pineda fastball coming his way. So that was my loser to, to deal yeah, with. Yeah, the Twins actually shocked me when I was going back to look at their 2019 ERA. They actually had a lower ERA than teams like Atlanta and the Washington Nationals. Oh, we know um, that's just, a flaw for all. That, we know that's a flaw right there. Yeah, and that's something – like, I, I do like what Minnesota has done with their pitching, you know, making the most of it. Uh, I like the additions of Rich Hill and Homer Bailey, but I, I think it, they're still waiting for that breakout Cy Young caliber year from Jose Barrios. And if they get it, that pitching might be enough to stick around. And then they have the plus bullpen, which we talked about last week at ad nauseum, Trevor May and all those guys. Yeah. But uh, should be interesting. The Central is definitely going to be a slugfest. I think a lot of those teams are just going to beat up on each other. Really quick, uh, more questions coming in. Uh, you mentioned Horsewood. Uh, would Matthew Boy have a slight edge having not had much exposure to the National League hitters? So that element of surprise there, uh, you buy into any of that? Uh, I do with some hitters. But when I see it as in he's going up against guys who have always hit you know, his – side of pitching him being a lefty um he should probably do well against some of the other guys but the elite left-handed crushers that he's gonna have to face are really gonna give him problems i think 
uh, our guy Jacob from the Step Back podcast over at Ball is Life is wanting to remind us that there is such a thing as a Michael Fulmer. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, he's still coming back from injury. Yeah. I, I still like his stuff if he can get the – because when he came back, the, the velocity, he had to, to fix that, and then he went back down again. I'm, I'm not really sure when he's projected to be back. Um, uh, I can he had look- Tommy John uh, this in March of last year. I can okay. look it up to see if there's any updates, but uh, I want you, you got to check this one out. Our Leon, also from the Step Back Podcast over at the Ball is Life uh, group, or our basketball group, is making the bold statement that Danny Duffy is better than Matthew Boyd. Woo! I'm not <laughs> sure about that. I'm not sure about that. that Matthew is- Boyd had a rough second half, but Danny Duffy's had a rough, like, career <laughs> that is one. i don't want to say i don't want to say life i don't know the guy but he's had a pretty he had a the nice breakout and he's just kind of like falling off oh, a cliff. i could have sworn that there was an article about him dealing with uh some sort of anxiety issues not to make light of it but it's kind of interesting that i, have I mean i do remember about this time last year we were talking about royals pitching and i was like they have danny duffy he's not terrible right and he had a 4-3 <laughs> era last year that's and he has a career era under four so while we he has – oh, that's 209 games started. I thought he had 209 wins. I was like, no way. <laughs> I got gotcha. you right here. Uh, Danny Duffy, uh, there's a headline from September from the Kansas City Star. Anxiety, depression, panic disorder. This sounds like a metal song, like some of the songs <laughs> that I listen to. Anxiety, depression, manic, <laughs> manic panic disorder. Royals pitcher Danny Duffy reveals silent pain. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, maybe he's had a rough life, and he's just been hiding it uh, this whole time until last year when he – Finally expose a little bit about himself. I'm still looking at Michael Fulmer to see if he's coming back. Uh, in the meantime, uh, James, again, he's just all over the place today. Riley Green had a great uh, spring training for them. Uh, remind me who Riley Green is. I forget he was their first-round pick in 19, I believe. Uh, pick. The Tigers. Okay. Um, high school uh, prep outfielder, lefty. Kind of reminds me of a Jason Hayward, kind of with the, the offensive – uh, I'm not sure if the def- I'm not sure if the defense is there, but a uh, really good athlete. All right. Uh, as of today, Michael Fulmer is in his 14th month of his recovery from Tommy John surgery, so he's right around the timetable that he's supposed to be returning. Oh, uh, brand new roto wire, uh, according to Fangraphs. Tigers pitching coach Rick Anderson to, said Tuesday, there's no chance Fulmer will be cleared to face hitters soon. And that was released today, according to Rotowire. Jeez. All right, never mind about that. See, this is why we didn't mention it in the beginning. Okay, oh, okay, okay. He says, but I will believe when we start our second spring training, whenever that will be, that would be the time to see Michael face hitters. So I has, I, maybe just because of the pandemic, he hasn't, they haven't been able to – you know, look at him yet. So we'll see. I, I'd rather not deal with that this year. I'm sorry. Not even as a I mean, he's not time. a draftable guy right no now. Way. But yeah. No way. Uh, apparently, James only likes Riley Green from Detroit. And I'm like, hey, did you all forget about Isaac Paredes? Come on, you guys. Future third baseman for the Tigers? Come on. Yeah, Paredes and uh, they have like two different Castros, Willie and Harold. One of them can hit. <laughs> I think it's Willie. Willie? 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 I think, I think they have a Willie and then a Harold, I thought. No, uh, I'm just trying to figure out if it's Willen or Willie uh, Castro. But anyway, the Tigers talk, right? Um, (laughs) Matt Bushnell, our in-house White Sox homer. White Sox have an interesting time to look forward to. He's been telling that since last year, apparently. And And he also asked, does this help Madrigal make the team? Uh, I'm not sure if it 
does. Going back with the expanded rosters, it probably does. But as a regular role, like everyday player, I'm not sure. It'll have to be once everybody comes back. You know, you never know what injuries might happen in this spring training 2.0 that's supposed to start in June. You know, injuries could still pop up then and really change the landscape. Hmm. Dong City, the the, the, the the show about the Yankee fans. <laughs> uh, uh, Vincent uh, Henry and their special guest Brian Burns. Hicks. Um, they they talked about that that if if the players and the owners decide to do some sort of uh, you know uh, negotiation where okay we'll play under these uh, higher risk circumstances, but um, you guys we like to have these uh, concessions be made before we get back on the field. Uh, and I think one of the things that they talked about was if there's not going to be any minor league uh, year, because everybody's going to be focused on major league yeah. baseball, you might as well bring up uh, the prospects because they're not developing uh, in the minors anymore. And they're, they're just kind of wasting them away. We're going to have more expanded rosters. So you might as well in a shortened season, and all these playoff teams are going to – so you might as well just go with it and, and, and have these guys play. Um, so, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. You know, we were already supposed to be expanding to 26 teams. And Roster I've heard that players. rosters ex- – yeah, or 26 teams, 26-man rosters. Um, and I've even heard as high as it would be a 30-man roster when teams come back. I've even heard all 40 men could be available, uh, but also they would have to be – uh, I think they they said something about only like 30 active per game to prevent you know crazy amounts of pitching changes and stuff like that. But in when it comes to the minor league players, I've heard a couple of different things from you know they they're going to keep some of them around like they're kind of prized prospects and have some sort of short season league. Like I said, I'm not really sure how much there is to that, but uh, the prized prospects I still think the teams are going to keep around because they just have too much invested in them. Uh, let's see. Leon uh, is asking, since we're still in the Central, um, you guys are coming really fast and furious. Uh, is it because it's my last show? I, I guess so. They want to ask you all, all your thoughts. Uh, we'll stay with the Reds here um, as I try to annotate here on my screen. Uh, is Joey Votto finished? Uh, did we not talk about him in our – Reds preview? Or? I don't th- – when we had the Reds, he was not mentioned. I, I think we might have quickly went over him. Wow. But I am of the belief that he is not. Uh, I think it was a down year, of course, you know, probably the worst – actually the worst of his career. But if there's one person who can just tinker with it a little bit and turn it, turn it back, especially like we said, this American League pitching – or American League Central pitching – is very porous. Joey Votto could take advantage of that. Yeah, and the last comment I wanted to point out was uh, James talking about uh, Isaac Paredes not having much power, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. I thought he did have. I thought that was the whole point for the Tigers to be excited for the guy. Uh, is that what you see out of the uh, young third baseman for the Tigers there? I haven't seen much of Paredes. I paid more attention to Willie Castro last year. Um yeah, uh, Paredes had 13 home runs in 2019 in 127 games. That's not terrible. Uh, I, I've heard that he, he controls the strike zone pretty well. A good good eye doesn't strike out, walks a good bit. Yeah. But um, he's one of those guys I, I need to get eyes on before I really kind of judge. 
Aaron Judge, Mike Judge. Yeah. Uh, like you said, uh, limit strikeouts, high walk rate, not much power. He's only 21 years old, though, but he is, according to fan graphs, he has a, a game power max of 45 and a raw power max of 50. So, yeah, I could have sworn it was uh, he had more potential than that. But he's still a lot better than anything the Tigers have at the moment. That's yeah. including Heimer Candelario. All right, let's go to the East before uh, we forget about them. But how can you forget about the East? This is East yeah, Coast I think I think this is going to be the cream of the crop uh, yeah. when it comes to the three divisions. I think that almost sounded like a soundboard effect. But like I said, I, I think this is going to be the toughest division, although it does have two or three of the worst teams, depending on how you look at it. My first winner, uh, this, is, this is just uh, for my amusement, the Marlins hitters getting to face the Pirates and the Orioles pitching. Uh, we talked about the Marlins and how much I kind of like them just for the simple fact that they got some players there and now they get at least two worse teams than they are uh, to play regularly in that division. And oh, in hitter-friendly parks. They have it made. Yeah. I, I, when we talked about the Marlins, we, we talked a lot about how they do have some offensive weapons. And when I think of offensive weapons in the National League, uh, we don't have the weapons like a, a DH. But in this season, we will have a DH. And a lot of these teams that are going to be in the East could be huge if they get every day at bats as a designated header. And it was funny because I was going through each team, and each team had like one or two guys that aren't great defensively but just have un- crazy amounts of offensive potential. And um, some of them are, you know, are established studs like Howie Kendrick and Nick Markakis, who Markakis, of course, re-signed. Uh, he could slot in. Right now, roster resource doesn't have him starting. They have Inciarte, but, you know, that could always change. Inciarte has had a bit of an injury bug problem. But guys like Howie Kendrick, Eric Thames, newly signed into Washington, these are guys that could really take advantage of a DH slot in the National League. Of course, Garrett Cooper, former Yankee prospect, I think he could really take off if he it would become the Marlins' DH. And then, of course, uh, my Mets. We have, like, three guys that we could fit into the DH slot. Uh, J.D. Davis, Joanna Cespedes, and Dom Smith, all three great options. But if these already powerful teams could get the advantage of a DH, that, that speaks really good things. And when I was breaking it down in 2019 season, according to WRC+, Plus, there were only 11 teams that were considered above league average. Of those 11 Four of them are in this new Eastern Division, uh, which is the most out of the top 11. I'm going to go back to the Marlins here a little bit. I don't know if you could see the screen. Yes. Yeah, I think I should be able to see it. Uh, I mean, look at this. Jonathan Villar, Jorge Alfaro, who has a 90.8 exit velocity uh, average from last year. Uh, so he comes with some sneaky power. You got Corey Dickerson, who everybody loves but me. But yeah, if <laughs> hey, you know why you don't like him? Because he's left-handed. Because he's a lefty. <laughs> also, thirty-one years old. But if you're telling me he's going to have the Pirates and the Orioles every uh, uh, more often than not, then yeah, give me more of that. Brian and Anderson. He, he he hit really well when he was in uh, Pittsburgh too. Corey Dickerson did so. Time for some revenge. Uh, Brian Anderson as well. Uh, I liked him a lot last year as uh, as a as the season wore on. He reminds me a lot of DJ Lemayhew. The, the line drive contact yeah. approach hits it a lot to the opposite field. I really do like him. I'm not sure if the change in division makes it easier or harder on him with some better pitching also coming in, but uh, we'll see. And uh, Jesus Aguilar, who uh, 
he's not too far removed from being in the home run derby that one season. Yeah, I, I have him listed as one of those potential DH guys in Miami as well. Yeah. Him, him and Garrett Cooper, I could see uh, one of them running away with the job. Yeah, you mentioned the Mets guys as well. I like I like the Mets. Uh, there's just not enough positions for all those guys. But with DH, it should uh, it should do wonders for them. May I list my loser now? Yes. Uh, it's the Mets pitchers going against the American League East. Uh, <laughs> as uh, you mentioned, uh, I don't know why I pick on the Mets, but I guess it's because they're always hurt and they're always injured. Um, and hey, we are season hasn't even started, and we already got uh, Noah Syndergaard out, so that's uh, always fun. I was going to mention Noah Syndergaard um, as a as one of those guys who's already hurt, and uh, Stephen Matz, my guy who from last year who I thought would do well last season, and he just shit the bed instead. And, uh, Rick <laughs> he, he had an, he had another great like not great, but a, a very good second half, and he's done that two years in a row. And it's just one of those – you look at his arsenal, and he has a, a great arsenal, yeah. well-rounded, and he just he can't really put it together. Uh, maybe it's one of those years. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what always attracts me to Steven Matz, but every year he lets me down. But here's the kicker right here. So here's guys like Rick Porcello and Marcus Stroman for your staff <laughs> who were in the American League East not too long ago are back to facing those uh, dreaded teams. You, you beat me to the punch. That's not fair. <laughs> well, I have to beat you see, you that, that's, that's the thing is, you know – uh, I, I listed both of those guys as uh, – well, one of them as losers. Uh, Stroman, you know, had some some success in the American League East due to his, you know, great ground ball rate. Um, but my big worry is, like you said, with pitchers going into the American League East that normally aren't there, uh, particularly the, the softer tossing guys, uh, that Marlins rotation, which a lot of people like, and I do too, uh, Pablo Lopez, Jordan Yamamoto – He's kind of soft tossing, pitch to contact, uh, take advantage of that giant ballpark they play in. Uh, now they're being forced to go into the, the lion's den of offense, Yankee Stadium, Fenway, Camden. I, I don't see that working out very well. Uh, Joe Ross and Anibal Sanchez for Washington, two other softer throwing pitchers that could get eaten alive. Uh, Jake Arietta, I feel like he is just about done. And I feel like him going into the American League East could really just be a, a confidence killer to the point where, I mean, he, he won't return. But uh, Porcello, you, like, you beat me to it. Porcello is probably like, wow, I finally got out of the AL East where I had an ERA over five. Glad I don't have to worry about them anymore. And then he sees this new realignment news break, and he just has to look at himself and go, oh, shit, like, really? And he's going back into Boston, back into uh, Fen, or no, back into Boston, back into Baltimore, and back into New York. It's tough. That's, that's got to be really tough. Toronto, I, I, for some reason, I, I picture it as a hitter-friendly ballpark. It could be because of the hitters that they have over there that makes it so. But uh, no, that AL East is—it's just a bunch of band boxes, and it, it, yeah, that sucks for them. It really does. But uh matt bushnell says that the marlins and the orioles are both losing 110 games each uh in 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 a 162 game season will the marlins lose that many i believe the orioles will in, in a perfect 162 game season but will the marlins also lose 110 i i, like think, I think the marlins might sneak up on some teams if That's this is saying. if this is what happens i think a lot of teams might sleep on them i could see them kind of taking the route of a eastern Colorado Rockies. I mean, they have like a good a, lot, a good amount of offensive weapons, and they're going to go into these smaller ballparks. 
and really show out, and then they're going to come back to Miami and struggle. Um, but they're a team that to definitely look out for. Yeah, James agrees with us. Very underrated. I mean, yeah, by the time it's all said, another got if, if trades are still going to be a thing, they're going to trade all their veterans. But still, I mean, on paper, they they're a nice 70, 75 win team. Um, at in the, a normal season. <laughs> in a normal season, right? That's what I mean. Um, Let's have some fun here. Uh, Matt Bushnell is also asking uh, Matt Bushnell from the Deep Thirds podcast, uh, the football life. We have all our podcast people. So that, that's what's so great about this group, man. We all support each other, right? Yeah. yeah we're all in each other's I, I'm liking what Brian Horst would just say. He said the O's are going to lose 110 in a 90-game season. <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad you have it. But uh, from a geography standpoint, I love geography. Why aren't the Astros and the Rangers in the Central? Why do they have to be in the West? And my – only takeaway is who would you rather have in the West uh, from the central teams then? Yeah, I think it has to do with, you know, you have those Texas teams and kind of just keep them together. And then they're pretty close to Arizona. Of course, it takes like forever to get through Texas, but. <laughs> I mean, should I dare look for a map of the United States to show how bad it is? <laughs> it's going to turn into a geography podcast. Bro, uh, I am a Bushnell big also fan. said um, with Mancini out, uh, who would be his replacement in that lineup? Oh, okay. Like, um, I feel like it's a pretty good question because Mancini was probably one of their the only fantasy relevant players for them last year. Yeah. Um, right we, now their uh, DH is Renato Nunez, who had 30 home runs last year. Yeah. Um, but it's a they got Ryan Mountcastle. I feel like could be a guy that they lean on if he produces. But um, it's going to be tough. I mean, Mancini is a very good hitter. Yeah, we were very high on him on our very first uh, one of our very first episodes. Yeah. We were both uh, uh, very singing the praises of Trey Mancini, which, like I said, th- this cancer thing really sucks for him. As, yeah, uh, seems like he's getting a lot worse before he gets better. But like you mentioned, Renato Nunez is a decent replacement, not the greatest replacement, but does yeah. enough to uh, warrant a, a place in the lineup. Uh, it's uh, let's see, first base would be Chris Davis, who. I feel like Anthony Santander or um, Ryan Mountcastle are going to be the, the – it's got to be one of those two guys, I feel like. Chris Davis, though, was having a hell of a spring training. And, yeah. you know, it, it could have just been a, a Lewis Brinson, Grapefruit League MVP type thing. But uh, Chris Davis was really having a good spring training, and I don't want to get excited for him. But can you imagine if he went back to a 30 home run guy after the two years he's had one of the worst hitters in major league history and he somehow brings it back at 34. I don't see it, but that would be one hell of a comeback story. That would be awesome. But um, at any rate, that's uh, unfortunately, that's not how the world works. Uh, and we move on. So let me, let me get this up and running, man. I, I got to do this. I'm a big fan of geography as some of you may or may not know. And I don't know. Let me, Tell me if you can see that. There we go. We got it. This is the U.S. of A. This is Texas. This is the rest of the West. I hope you – you know what? No, we have the power of annotation here. Let's take advantage. (laughs) This is Texas. (laughs) This is the West right here. All of this. Right? Oh, I think I'm. And for those that will be only listening in audio format, I do welcome you to go and check our archived Facebook Live, mm-hmm. and you will see the great illustrations on the map of the United States done for us by the only Felipe Melicio. He is a great geography teacher. Oh yeah, I, I live for this shit. Now this <laughs> is the red. I'm circling the. Uh, 
the Central, right? You, you see how it works now? You see why Texas is in the West, the Southwest, but the West nonetheless? And uh, I'm not even going to bother with these. It's just a bunch of uh, metropolises all bunched in together, right? So, no, let's do it. Let's just, it's my last show. Let's go ahead and do it. <laughs> this is, uh, I'm assuming that's Toronto over there. And then I feel like John Madden. See, what you do is you got to put this together. <laughs> and, and there's the East. And then, bam, boom. Then they go to Ace is the place. Okay, and there it is. So th th that's how Major League Baseball is splitting their three divisions right there. Now, in a perfect world, you would split it into even smaller divisions. But uh, these are special circumstances, if you will. These are some tough times here. Uh, what do you think there, Sean? Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And, you know, it would, you know, you think Texas being, you know, right in the middle of the country, that they'd be in the central. But with how the other teams in the central are situated, I, I don't know who you could take out. Unless, like I said, there was that one where the um, – the West was, was going to have, I believe, eight teams. So Texas was going to move to the Central, and they were going to have 12, and then the East would have 10. But that would require, you know, some – the Western division would really, I think, lose a lot. They'd be playing – it'd be a lot of repetition, you know, playing the same teams over and over again if there's only eight teams. Uh, slightly better with 10. So I, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think they mentioned it on Dong City last night too. That eventually this is might be something to uh, look forward to in the future, where maybe it's not going to be the same setup, but they could see uh, uh, a situation where they're going to probably adopt the hockey model and have four divisions of seven or eight teams, maybe. Yeah. And uh, that way you're cut back on travel, you cut back on cost, and and uh, it makes for more interesting um, playoff scenarios. But we'll see if that actually comes to fruition and if this uh, pandemic really starts uh, something bigger than what we have right now in terms of major league baseball and how we're used to seeing them um, let's see what else we have uh, okay jacob excited that you mentioned jd davis marcus stroman is trash yeah the, the, uh, him and leon you know the two hosts of the step back podcast they went at it a little bit over marcus stroman oh excellent <laughs> they, they, we, we we like to stoke the fires here you know uh, fight, 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 fight. Uh, James wants to let us know that Brian Anderson has a cannon for an arm in right field. Yeah, re really good arm. Play it plays well at third base too, but really you, you see it in right field as well. Yeah, I like that. Trash. All right, so that takes care of that. Uh, would you like to uh, do some team – I know this is not fantasy related, but, you know, it's my last show. Would you like to see how these divisions would uh, pan out? so to speak. Yeah, sure. Okay, well, first and foremost, uh, the Diamondbacks, who a lot of people had them as a dark horse, kissed that goodbye. Not with the Astros, not with the A's involved. Uh, they'll be lucky if they finish in fourth. The Angels also screwed in here. They're kind of... Because uh, uh, I think we talked about it before that the Angels in the AL West uh, look like a nice third-place team as is right now. But yeah. with, with the spring training alignment, they would be so screwed for whatever the alignment was. And they're even more screwed in this alignment because now they're like more middle than middle earth at this point. Yeah. This but at, at the same time, there would be more teams going to the playoffs, but I still think their pitching just isn't there yet. Yeah. It's not good enough. Uh, and the Mariners will be the Mariners, but um, uh, Rangers, uh, yeah, we talked about them having to, I think they're going to be shell shocked in Colorado. What else am I missing here? So we're, wait, hold on. Oh, I had Mike Trout's numbers in Coors Field, and I never got to say it. Oh, he's, play, he's, play, he's played seven games, uh, 14 hits, 15 runs, 
a 483 batting average, 559 on base, and an 828 slugging. Uh, I would love for him to get like eight games just in this one season in Coors Field to see what else he could add to those numbers. How many teams that we agreed were going to make the playoffs in this format? I think I – because right now it is eight or – not it's it's ten including the the wild cards right or right. right yeah nine and ten yeah uh, I I think I had heard anywhere from twelve to fourteen and then they would change and then they would change the format a little bit don't know exactly how but all right well I'm just gonna point out the top four teams I'm having a hard time figuring out who that four team is so uh, the, uh, is it the Padres is it the Diamondbacks is it the Rangers that's tough that's a pretty weak division sorry yeah I I think the West it's so top heavy. I mean, it's like Dodgers, Astros, A's, and every other team beneath them has a major flaw. So we um, got to pick one. I, I'd pick the Padres. Padres, all right. Uh, let's go to the Central. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Braves for sure. Yeah, Braves, Twins. Twins, okay. Oof, this is yeah. where it gets interesting. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Okay. We, we had them in our uh, championship favorite. Oh, the Reds over yeah. the Indians. They, they won me over. Uh, I just think Cleveland's going to go on a, on a fire sale soon. We talked about how much we like the Indians, but I just don't trust their front office. So, um, snake oil, oil snake oil yeah. men that they are, whatever. Uh, Yankees, for sure, here. And uh, the Rays, for Rays, sure. yeah, Yankees and Rays, I think, are the two for sures. Granted, you know, the, the Rays could always – I don't want to say just bottom out, but – it's like they always seem to – right when they're on the rise, something happens and everything gets traded. Yeah, but, Tom um, City mentioned that yesterday too as well about the Rays. But we now need two more teams. And this uh, division doesn't look as strong as the uh, – like I think you alluded to earlier that the, that the central division is probably the strongest one. And uh, yeah. I'm now seeing what you're saying. The Mets might have a chance here. Yeah, I, I think the Mets, especially if they get that DH – and they, they get Yoannis Cespedes back. And I'm not even a huge Cespedes fan, but if he could get <laughs> hey, the Marlins, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, probably the Nationals. It's hard to sleep on them. They still have solid pitching. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Phillies made a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, either. I be shocked. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the, the Phillies and Nationals, regardless of whether what, whatever format, uh, I think those two teams are really going to start a battle for – uh, the the National League East here coming soon. So what is that? Four times that. So that's the twelve teams right there. They're all twelve of these teams making the playoffs. Is that what we're getting at? Yeah, I, I think I had heard like twelve, and then they might have to do a two additional wild cards. I or like there'd be four wild cards out of the fourteen. I don't really know. Oh man, like there's so many comments. I'm, I'm having a hard time keeping up. Uh, yeah. Uh, what if David Price? Uh, is, I forgot where he's at. Dodgers. Right? Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah. David. Mookie Betts trade. Um. David Price, you know, so in, in, in fantasy, I'm not like jumping out of my pants for him. But if he's like a fourth, fifth starter, like you know, okay, I guess. <laughs> uh, Joe Ross is Dookie. Oh, right, because Leon's a, a Nationals fan, yeah. so Jacob gets back at him by saying Joe Ross is Dookie, which I agree. Joe Ross is crap. But you know who I used to like? Tyson Ross's brother. Tyson Ross, and then he had thoracic outlet, and yeah, he's. He, he's he's like gone. <laughs> uh, I think I th- think he's in San Francisco. He signed a contract this offseason. Tyson Ross? Yeah, I don't know how, but he's supposed to be. Jesus, uh, boy, I'm I'm yep. behind. I'm just noticing Horsewood's uh, comment about the Orioles losing 110 games. 
uh, James, it's still shocking the Orioles don't use the international market. Well, that's because they're a bunch of cheapskates. That's why they're <laughs> the Orioles. And uh, if, in case you missed it, go back to one of our very first episodes where I just lampoon against the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, that was our very first obscure lineup episode right there. Yeah. Oh, uh, Now they're just naming all the bad teams. The Royals also suck. Yeah, I agree. They have some <laughs> nice players there, but not enough to matter. Uh, did you see James's question? Here's a great question for you all. We currently have a 10-team playoff system. Do you think, A, it would expand to 13, and B, who do you got for your 13th team? Um, well, here you go. <laughs> okay, well, let's see. There's 30 teams. Who is the 13th best team of this list right here? So we're just missing one. We got 12 right now. Yeah, and it could be any division. Um, oh, you know what? White Sox. White Sox. I got the answer. Or right Cubs, there. yeah. Right I, I think the Cubs um, – it's like the issue with a lot of these teams that we left on the board to yes. me when it comes to playoffs is bullpen and the Cubs, White Sox, Brewers all have great talented rosters, but really some glaring weaknesses in the bullpens. The Brewers have not the Brewers, not the Brewers. I mean, the, the Brewers have hater and, but some of the other guys I'm not as uh, staunch really? on as you are. Um, yeah. I, I, as, if you saw the cause Brewers. I, cause I think they'll be, they would be better off putting those two guys Peralta and Burns in the rotation. But that's just me. Well, if, if you guys saw the episode where we talk about the Brewers, I am a big fan of their bullpen. I think I have them as their second-best bullpen coming into the season if all stays intact. Uh, but you never know with that team. Like you mentioned, they might get some guys into the rotation and put their crappier rotation guys into the bullpen, which would make that prediction null and void. But And you know what? The Cubs scare me a little bit. They have no bullpen whatsoever. Hey, they have Craig Kimbrell. Uh, never mind. Is, it, is he is he the only Hall of Fame reliever active right now? You think has to be right? <laughs> I mean, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, Edwin Diaz is. Hey, uh, <laughs> he's the future Hall of Famer. Oh <laughs> uh, shit! All right, I, I, I pick a team, Felipe. Let's go. Uh, I'll go with the Phillies, just so I don't have to uh, choose between the Cubs and the White Sox and the Brewers. There, so there, there's a, the Phillies are the 13th best team in all of baseball right now not bad i i I think that seems like a a pretty consensus of course there's a couple of dark horses i'm it's shocked just not seeing the cubs white Sox, or brewers but you know it is what it is yeah um i might change my mind later who knows (laughs) but we'll let you know yeah uh chris davis equals joey gallo according to james edwin sky who's just been aggressive with your comments today always appreciate his input uh yeah there's a uh, brian horsewood is shocked that there's a new mexico when i guess that was when the maps uh, (laughs) yes that was when the maps was up (laughs) and uh, matt bush points out that the west coast drawing that i had there looks like like a man's appendage there Okay, I I had a feeling in my head there was one more hall, potential Hall of Fame reliever, and Le- Leon did mention him. Aroldis Chapman probably has a, a, a good chance. Um, yeah, you think so? I mean, he's coming up on right the, the big number is a saves number, but the ERA is way lower than I actually thought it was. I, I thought it was higher. Um, let me get relievers pulled up here. Yeah, go ahead. In the meantime. Oh, I still got the map of the United States listed here. That's silly. Don't do that. Yeah, Kimball right now is 13th uh, sandwiched between Randy Myers and Raleigh Fingers. Um, maybe I am – Chapman is not in the top 30 in saves. 
He's 34th. I guess playing on those Reds teams early on kind of dampened the save total. Yeah, that'll do it, man. That'll do it all the but time. But I want to say, but I want to say, yeah, he only has a 2.2 ERA. I, I really thought it was much higher than that. Um, all of Fame relievers in the middle of no baseball. That's what we. Yeah, that, that's what we've come to. That's what we come to. <laughs> you know who's really good? Andrew Miller. When is he going to get to the Hall of Fame? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Why? why I mean, not if, him? if he hadn't fallen apart like he had, or if he can somehow like turn into Oliver Perez and pitch until he's 45. Oh, oh, there's no way Ollie makes the Hall of Fame. No, no Ollie's not going to make the Hall of Fame, but he's turned into just well. We can't. We don't even have lefty specialists anymore. It's going to make it tough, isn't it? Um, I'm excited. I really like that. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, that 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 rule should be interesting. Earn your goddamn salary. Pitch the three hitters. Let's go. I don't. No more excuses. Get in there. Okay, Roldis Chapman is in the top 30 of uh, relief pitcher strikeouts. He has 883 in 535 innings that's a lot <laughs> let's see here uh, now i'm on the fangraphs page uh and I, I this is a new nifty thing i no longer have to uh manually put like the the season range i could just uh-huh. click on career and yes. they are able to do it for me so i just want to list the number of strikeouts and let's see if that gets us anywhere close uh, okay, this is too much. This is way too much. It, it, it's basically oh, okay. Here we go. I got one. Oh, but Fernando Rodney no longer pitches, right? Is he retired finally, or? Uh, he played last year. Oh, okay. Uh, um, nine hundred. Let me see if he's currently on the team. Nine hundred and forty-three career strikeouts for Fernando Rodney. That's 18th best among relief pitchers of all time since 1871. Huh? Huh? How about that? Wait, what was that again? I was looking at his numbers. 943 career strikeouts as a relief pitcher. That puts him 18th overall since 1871. Huh. huh? I did not think Rodney had that many. Oh, but yeah. his thing is, he has 933 innings. So his like per nines are kind of you know right at nine. You look at Kimbrell and Chapman, and they're like north of 13. They've all done almost 900 strikeouts in less than 550 innings. Well, that's no fun. Yeah. But, you know, my thing is that Billy Wagner's not in. Neither of those guys should get in, but they probably will. Also on that top uh, 25 list, I believe, was uh, Kenley Jansen since 1871 as well. Yeah. uh, Somebody mentioned Jansen in the comments. Uh, I I don't think – I mean, maybe he gets love from, you know, like the Western writers to keep him alive on a ballot, but I I just don't see it. I share my screen here. Uh, again, I've been sharing my screen this whole time, but let me know if you can see that clearly. Uh, might need a little bit of a zoom. All right, I'm working on it. That's how these ads go on. But this is the list of relief pitchers since 1990. I went ahead and decided to do that. Since we're looking at current, I just want to get a nice mix of uh, players from my youth with uh, current players. And I've got it right, I got it uh, sorted by strikeouts uh, for relief pitchers only. Kelly Jansen is ninth, and I'm sorry if you guys can't see that. I'm still uh, tinkering. I, I'm actually making it smaller now because I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh, how about that? Is that? Does that work for you guys? There you go. Let's make it bigger. No, bigger. Okay. <laughs> so, what was I talking about? Uh, Kelly Jansen, ninth. 903 strikeouts since uh, for a relief pitcher since 1990 to the present. There's your guy, Craig Kimbrell, at number 11. 
So yeah, I definitely feel he has a much better chance than Chapman just because of the the number of saves so far. It's uh, Chapman right there, as you mentioned, number twelve. So yeah. we got some guys here. Joe Nathan, who just recently retired, is. Um, oh, right. I wouldn't say recently. I feel like it's been recent. I don't know. My uh, <laughs> my timeline has all been ruptured because of Oh, this. his last season was in 2016. I guess that's not too bad. Yeah, there you go. Uh, David Robertson, who's uh, recovering from some sort of injury. Tommy, Tommy John. John. Yep. Uh, 14. He's out all year. David Robertson, a Hall of Famer for you? Nope. <laughs> but, but but I thought I thought the Hall of Fame was about durability and uh, longevity. <laughs> Not if you're a relief pitcher. They don't give a shit about you. <laughs> what about holds? What about holds? Tony Watson is number one on the list with holds. Oh. Is he a Hall of Famer? Who who was he getting holds for all those years? Uh, it had to be a Pittsburgh saves guy. Felipe Vasquez. Felipe Vasquez doesn't have that many. Who was there before him? Oh, um, uh, shit. Um, oh, God. Because Felipe – oh, uh, Mark Melanson, probably. Oh, there you Melanson, go. He got, he got and and then with. he would do it with the with the Giants as well. Yeah. They were never too far away from each other. That's a, that's a sweet story right there. And then he was with uh, Kenley Jansen as well. He set up him for a, a while in go. L.A. That, that's, what, that's how you get a lot of career holds. Find an elite closer in his prime and just ride his coattails. <laughs> Teammates matter, like I always mention. <laughs> what about uh, Joaquin Benoit? Does he get some Hall of Fame votes for you? From no. You? No. <laughs> Joe Smith, the Angels uh, darling there. Submariner. Or like side armor. Side armor, yeah. Career ERA under three. I think that's really impressive. Yeah. yeah he's always been a pretty dependable guy. But is he a Hall of Famer? Nope. Okay. Come on, like there, Hall, relievers don't make the Hall of Fame. <laughs> no, no, we're gonna find one. We got, we got nothing but time here. What about Sergio Romo? Now, here's, hear me out. He has 129 saves, 178 holds, 685 strikeouts, but and he, he has what three championship rings? And, two, uh, two of them. I don't think he was on the 2016 uh, team. People tell me that championships matter because it's, it's an individual sport somehow. The 14. Listen, look at this. You tell me he's not a Hall of Famer, and he's, a, you know, Mexican as well. He gets my vote just for being Mexican. <laughs> just for being <laughs> there has to be a way to better gauge these relief pitchers no yeah it, it's tough i mean all right, all right, it's like their war is is they're always also close to each other I yeah mean, it's, and it's never above 16 yeah like uh, right now like chapman chapman is actually fifth in war and that? he's at uh 19 and a half the same amount as joe nathan in 230 less innings all right now we have it by war, right? Ah, war, what is it good for? <laughs> it's absolute crap. Okay. And then um, Kimberl and K-Rod are like right next to each other, even though K-Rod has 440 more innings. <laughs> okay, we got Kenley Jansen at number seven, War, all the time. Great Thursday album, if you haven't heard it. Go listen to the band Thursday. No, uh, Kenley Jansen. Uh, and that's it. Uh, Joakim Soria, is he a Hall of Famer? <laughs> No. <laughs> Golly, tough crowd. There's David Robertson, who's... Uh, like I said, the only three guys I think that are active right now that have a chance are Kimbrell, Jansen, and Chapman. And okay. of those three, I think Kimbrell's the only one that goes. All three of those guys are in the top ten, so you might have yeah. a point there. Uh, Bob Whitman, 20th overall since 1990 in war. I mean, because re really, let's be honest, Billy Wagner should already be in, and he's not. And if Billy Wagner doesn't get in, I, I don't like the chances for any of the three three other guys. Okay, so I, there's okay. So look at this. So I guess the threshold to meet is 24, right, or 25. 
Yeah, because the only two that are Hall of Famers on this list are Moe and Hoff. Yep. Rob, yeah, 19, Rob Nen's not. Since, since 1990. So, so Chapman has a really good chance of getting there, yeah. especially with the Yankees. And with the there. Yankees. That, if he can take advantage – because he feels like a really old 32, but if he can rack up 30 to 40 saves for the next four or five years, um, yeah, then he has a really good shot. And then, so that means Kimbrell's not making the Hall of Fame according to War. No, not if he pitches like this. Crap. I don't no. know. How old is Kimbrell? He's just old. got he's got so many miles on the arm. He's he's younger than Chapman. He's thirty one, about to turn thirty two. Yeah. Happy early birthday! Well, look at that. Uh, five hundred fifty three innings for Kimbrell. Five hundred thirty five for Chapman. I just feel that Kimbrell is like older than dirt now. And yeah, again, I mean, oh, he came up at. Uh, he was only 22 years old. Yeah. And this is why we look at the numbers because perception always uh, gets the better of people, no matter how focused you are on this thing. Now, why does it feel like he's older than dirt though? I wonder if it has anything to do with the number of batters that they faced because the innings are not that different. Um, yeah. It's, um, I mean, he had the coffee call up in 2010 and then was full-time closer from 2011 through 2018 for two different or three different teams, Braves, Padres, and Red Sox. Sorry about that, folks. Got the curiosity got the better of me. Um, Jesus. Why does it feel like the Yankees versus the Dodgers this year, Matt Portional wants to know? Because it is. <laughs> it, it probably, it, theoretically, it should be. I mean, you have the best team in the AL versus the best team in the National League. Um, and then, of course, the Astros, uh, we need to see how they bounce back uh, losing Cole and post-scandal, but yeah. can't count them out either. Uh, Bushnell wants to uh, make sure that we know that he thinks the White Sox can make the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Not until they get a bullpen. Yeah, the, that's what's really holding them back. Plus, you got a bunch of guys who are – I like Jimmy Cordero. I, I do like him, the hard thrower. He just seems like he has no clue where it's going. It was Leon who mentioned Jansen. That's the first comment I see. Uh, what's going on? Oh, the Cardinals. Uh, James is mentioning Matt Carpenter, Paul DeYoung, and possibly Dexter Fowler and Paul Goldschmidt are all about to fall off completely. Oh, because I picked the Cardinals to make the playoffs. Uh, Goldie is strong enough where he has a shot to fix things in the short term, and Dexter has the athleticism to do it, but the time off could really hurt both of them. Maybe. I think DeYoung's too talented. I, I, I don't think DeYoung has reached his ceiling yet. He had a terrible second half, but when he – I feel like he's going to have, like, one season, like his great one- or two-month stretches that he has. I feel like he's going to have an entire year of that, probably right before he's a free agent, even though he did just sign an extension with them. Did I not mention that Joe Smith was with the Angels at one point? Like, Joe Smith has been with a lot of teams. Yeah. Wasn't he with the Angels? He started with the Mets in, like, 2008. Jeez, he was with the Mets as well? Yeah. He, he was a part of he was a part of the JJ puts trade, I believe. Oh. Yeah, way back in two thousand and seven. I'll tell you yeah. what, man. For surviving the Mets, he should make the Hall of Fame. Two thousand and seven and two thousand and eight, he pitched over a hundred innings for him. Uh, let's see, James. If any relief pitcher should make the Hall at the moment, it should be the hardest door of all time and most consistent elite arm. And that's Chapman right there. He is a Yankees fan, folks, and I, man, he is fanboying hard there. Wait, Stan. which one was this? I haven't seen anything of uh, James uh, talking up uh, our oldest Chapman there. 
near the bottom. Okay. Uh, Leon wants to let us know that Cordero is a flaming garbage. I don't know what that means. Oh, I, I had mentioned him, Jimmy Cordero. No, I know, but I, I'm oh. just trying to picture what a flame like. Does it look like the Tennessee Titans logo? Is that what it is? <laughs> uh, and then the oh, Henry Rodriguez. Wow, this is going off the rails. Now we're talking about Henry Rodriguez. <laughs> I mean, once you start talking about relief pitchers, everyone's feelings really get. I, I I don't think anything inflames baseball fan feelings like relief pitchers. It's just part of the job for them, I guess. I'm going to start calling them uh, the relief pitchers. Uh, instead of oh. calling them flaming garbage, I'm just going to refer to them as the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> the um, Tennessee Titans quarterback coming in out of the bullpen. <laughs> uh, Ryan Tannehill, you're talking about flaming garbage right there. Just hand it off to Derrick Henry all the time. Shit. And get a nice extension while you're at it because uh, I'm not going to say why, but. <laughs> it might be race related i'm not sure uh what do you have anything else on the docket there sean before no uh, i th- i think our, our final tangent was a good one analyzing all these relief pitchers just for fun for the, for the hall uh, of fame yeah for the hall of fame you know that's the you know we like to talk fantasy but even more than talking fantasy we like to have fun and on your finale you know hopefully not final finale but finale for the next few months uh it was good to to go down that road with you right there well let's not give up hope just yet because since we started talking about relievers we might as well talk about the starters for hall of fame Uh, yeah okay so here's what i did i cut it from 1990 to 2000 2000 to 2019 that way we get like we're gonna get too many pedros in there i'm gonna do 2000 yeah that's why I did it. So uh, we'll do it with War, and I'll share my screen right away really quick. And I promise this will be the last thing. Are there any active players who can make make it to the Hall of Fame? There's obviously players who can make it to the Hall of Fame that are currently playing. But do they really deserve it, though? So well, we're going to share my screen one more time, and we're on the Fangraphs page once again. And there's a starting relief pitch. Oh, starting. That's an oxymoron. There's a starting pitchers list right here. We've got Justin Berlin at the very top. Only 225 wins, but... Above and beyond war compared to everybody else. Yep. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Hall of Famer. Okay. Even though he doesn't have 300 wins? Yep. Uh, uh, I think I think the voters are going to have to start realizing with how the games change that three, 200 wins is going to be the new 300 wins. Let me see here. Ah, uh, this thing's loading. Oh, wait, there we go. And I think I clicked on the wrong one. I wanted the standard list because, you know, uh, accumulation stats always matter to these people. So, Justin Verlander, how many strikeouts total does he have? As I uh, sort it like that. Sorry about that, folks. Justin Verlander, 3,000 strikeouts already. Wow, when did that happen? Uh, just this past year. Wow! He did, yeah, he needed like 10 in one of his final start, in his second to last start, and he got it. Yeah. Nice. All right, well, he's a Hall of Famer then. All right, Clayton Kershaw, is he in the Hall of Fame? Uh, one- yes. Yeah, 100%. But, but Sean, he only has 169 wins. He's not even going to get to 200 at this point. Uh, he'll get to 200. I mean, that that's 30 wins. I think he's got three or four more years left in him, and he plays on one of the best teams in baseball. I don't know. I, maybe I, I got a good feeling. If he makes it to 2,500 strikeouts, see, maybe, uh, maybe I'll consider yeah, it. No. Yeah. I mean, 2,500 strikeouts is only 36 away. That's like only, That's only like five starts for him. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, I, you got to earn your, your stripes here. You're not, you're not going to make the Hall of Fame with 2,400 strikeouts. Sorry. All right. <laughs> I'm going to keep it old school like that. Zach Greinke, is he going to make it to the Hall of Fame? He's below yes. 60 war. Okay. I think 
it, it depends on how the next few years lay out, but I, I think he he's just so close. He's right there. So, uh, so are you? So, so the people are probably asking. So, if you're not going to take wins into consideration, and if strikeouts are, because I mean, if we look at Zach Granke's strikeout total, if I could see it on the first page, and I don't, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. So since I don't see him on the first, oh, there he is. I'm so I'm blind as a bat. So he's already over 2,500. What's the new benchmark now for? Yeah, I, I think the guy that's really going to throw a wrench in everyone's barometer of gauging who's a Hall of Fame pitcher now is he's also in the top five of the war list. Uh, he's right at the end, John Lester. Um, he's actually third in active wins right now, and he's only 10 away from 200. And as weird, weird as it is to believe, he has an ex- exactly same XFIP as Justin Verlander in an ERA only 0.2 higher. Yeah, that's why these advanced stats are garbage. Uh, it's I, I can like hear personally, it, I can hear like them. I think you know John Lester isn't Hall of Fame, but like when you compare him to Verlander, Verlander of course has him killed in strikeouts, but in terms of everything else, they're they're relatively close. So I I think Lester's going to divide a lot of people when it comes to voting. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I mean, the war itself, even the, the advanced stat heads are not going to like that. Well, it's only 46 war. Can it go to 50? And then you're looking at Javier Vasquez, and now you're wondering, how the hell is Javier Vasquez at 50 war? That's what we want to know right there. So maybe Javier Vasquez is the uh, the gatekeeper. Anybody above Javier Vasquez gets in. <laughs> Anyone below Javier Vasquez is You're really out. taking advantage of these annotation tools on your last show. <laughs> last show, bro. I got to. <laughs> got to go out. I got to show the love. Uh, Leon asked a good question. What's the question? That uh, DeGrom too soon. And I do think it is. But if he can get a third Cy Young, it's, I think it's hard to keep him out. I mean, he was a late bloomer. He's not going to have the counting stats probably even close. Uh, right now, looking at war, he is 13th in war. Um behind the likes of Adam Wainwright, Steven Strasburg, Kluber, and Gio Gonzalez, but he also has at least 200 innings less than all of those guys. So if DeGrom can somehow get to anything over 1,500 innings, which would be another 400 innings, that's two full seasons. If he can give two full seasons of, you know, six, seven, eight war, that puts him up around 50. And I think that might be kind of close to the new threshold compare it with his, you know, great ERA and the three Cy Youngs. The Cy Youngs are really going to help him if he can get a third one. And last thing, I went ahead and did the next generation of starting pitchers. This is from 2009 to the present. And the one name that sticks out, because we already mentioned the other names, and Max Scherzer probably is going to go to the Hall of Fame, but the name that sticks out is Chris Sale. Uh, yeah. He's in the Hall of Fame, right? <sighs> Okay, so he is at he's at that sixteen hundred inning mark that I would like Degrom to get to before we really analyze it, and he's still only forty four WAR to thirty one. So he's about to five hundred his- innings. I feel like where Sale is now, that's where Degrom will be in two years, two or three years. And Chris Sale is a, a few strikeouts away from nineteen hundred. Uh, Felix Hernandez, as you guys can see is already above 1900 but he's yeah that's a shame he's great pitcher but pitching in the wrong era he just i don't know 
and again, this is a, a very small sample size compared to the other sample size I use. I just wanted to get a glimpse at the, what the next generation holds for us. Um, yep. uh, and it looks like Hernandez might be odd man out here as uh, one of the best pitchers of, uh, of my generation, of uh, my adulthood, or my 20s, I guess, is not going to make it to the Hall of Fame, maybe. Yeah, Felix Hernandez, I could see being a guy that gets in on a, a players or a veterans committee. Um, but yeah, I think it just it came off the tracks too quickly. And it's weird. I have mine sorted by active players or active roster, and oh, Felix okay. Hernandez is not showing up on mine. When uh-huh. Maybe it's because he only signed a minor league deal, I believe. Probably, probably. Yeah, he's um, big but yeah, right he, there he is seventh. Um, God, he's not. He's not going to even get to 200 wins. That's terrible. I mean, he has 136 losses. <sighs> Take maybe half of those losses away. They probably should have been wins. Yeah, well, he's up there with Verlander and wins. He wanted to sign that big deal with the Mariners when he did, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it was an end up a good deal for him. But at what cost? Now his numbers look like shit. Steven yeah. Strasburg is he going to make it to the Hall of Fame as the next generation of uh, um, pitchers? If they come up with bionic limb technology in the next four years, maybe. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, come on. And there's Leon, Leon's saying come. he gets in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Or saying uh, no, Felix gets in, sorry. Oh, Felix gets in? Yeah. Interesting. That is very interesting. I mean, how bad are his uh, career numbers there? He's already 34, yeah. uh, Hernandez is. And uh, yeah. you saw you were checking out his career numbers already, right? Yeah. Well, so. And you didn't three, see anything. Th- a three-four ERA won't reach two hundred wins more than likely. I mean, he is thirty-four. I mean, there's, but he just has so many. He has almost three thousand innings, like twenty-eight hundred innings, twenty-seven and a half, something like that. Yeah, like that. That's he was a workhorse. I mean, one, like two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight consecutive years from two thousand and eight. Two, one, two, three. Four. I'll put. I'll, I'll tell you what, man. If if you're telling me that Clayton Kershaw makes the Hall of Fame right now and he's at 2,500 strikeouts, Felix Hernandez is already at 2,500 strikeouts, and yeah. that seems to be like okay, Bill. If you're not going to get the wins, at least show us something. I mean, the WAR isn't there, but the strikeouts are. Maybe that's the way that he gets. And, and, well, I think the difference between the two is, you know, Kershaw has definitely had the higher peak, but he's always been more limited in terms of workload. And that's something that the Mariners had no care for with Felix Hernandez. I mean, they went and let him out there eight years in a row and threw more than 200 innings. And out of those eight seasons, he actually threw more than 230, one, two, three, four, five times. 230 innings in the regular season. That's, that's what are we in the 80s again? <laughs> Actually, no. I mean, if there were the 80s, I think it would have been to like 300 innings. But yeah. Those days are long. <laughs> the gone, the 90s. Time. Okay, we'll, we'll do 90s. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's a good place to stop. I think this has gone on long enough. I'm pretty no. sure everybody's tired of us at this point. But uh, no, this is the last one. Um, any other comments that we need to touch base on with the folks out there before we leave them for good? A voix and a vida zane. That's, that's what I say to you, Felipe. Until <laughs> I see you again. I watched Django and Change the other night. Oh, and, lucky you. And, and he said... Um, just the part of Avita Zane means until I see you again, but I have no intention of seeing you again and just shoots him right in the chest. <laughs> oh, I love man. Christoph Waltz. He's a great actor. Yeah, he's Got great. Uh, the fastest way to get to my heart is if you've mentioned Quentin Tarantino movies for me. So uh, appreciate yeah. that. 
Sean, as always, thank you so much and uh, looking forward to the next one, whenever that is. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. I know it was uh, kind of late for us to start, but I uh, hope we were able to entertain and, and inform and infotain and <laughs> and I uh, hope you all had fun like I had fun tonight. With maps and our diagrams. <laughs> maps, they don't love you like I love you, man. Maps. <laughs> On that note, I'll see you guys all later. And uh, be safe. Wash your hands. See you. <laughs> see you.